As a small business owner, I've had my share of accounting, tax, bank feed, and app issues. Some could say I'm a mess, kind of like some of your clients. But as I reflect on the last three years of my business, the one app that I've had not any problems with is OnPay. It's been set it and forget it payroll. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor OnPay later in the episode. Oh, speaking of politics, can we talk about it? The misclassification of expenses at the heart of the Trump indictment. I just want to remind everyone that this entire, this entire, what do you call this, circus act that's happening right now is all around the coding of a transaction in the GL of Trump, the Trump organization. Coming to you weekly from the OnPay Recording Studio, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And we are joined today by Adrian Gonzalez, Managing Editor at Going Concern. Adrian, it Hi. is so great to have you on the show. I have been reading Going Concern ever since I started in accounting, and I, I feel like I know you in a way from right. reading your writing, but I have never met you before. I'm so excited. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, thanks for asking me. So how do you describe going concern to people when they ask you like what do you do well um, should we how tell should we say how i describe it and how you describe it yes first? please yes and then we'll let adrian do it i tell people it's the tmz of accounting i say gawker so accurate. gawker, gawker? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean I, I feel like it's the i don't know say it like it is uh irreverent the irreverent take on the accounting profession especially big four and you got a lot of readers, right? Like, what's your circulation? Uh, that I don't know. I know in the last, um, we've we've kind of blown up this week. There was a Google algorithm change like two weeks ago that kind of was a little bit of a bump. But I mean, we sometimes we get a million. I know at our peak, we were getting three million uh, a month, which is like, there's not, who are those people? It's not accountants. Yeah, I mean, there aren't enough accountants in the country to get mm -mm. those kind of numbers, so. But that was many, many years ago. The site has, yeah. you know, everyone will kind of, I mean, it, we're old now. We've been around since 2009. The site has kind of gone through peaks and valleys. We're certainly not as cool as we used to be because there are, you know, a lot of people much cooler and much younger than we are. But when we came out in 2009, it was like, it wasn't being done. Nobody was really telling it like it is. Now everybody is, which I think is fantastic. Thanks everyone who's joined us in the live stream. We've got Ian here. Ian says, nice shirt, Adrian. You want you, Thank you. you want to show that off? Reagan Bush uh, 84. 84. Nice. Mm -hmm. Oh, my dad would love that shirt. He was a big he was a big, you know, Bush senior guy. I went to uh, I was driving cross, cross country one time and I went to the birthplace of Ronald Reagan. I'm not a Republican, but I just thought it was cool yeah. to, you know, see that. And it was like a shack, you know. Adrian, you know, it's great to have you on because we like to talk about all the news at the intersection of accounting and technology. And you've been talking a lot about, you know, GPT. I'm sure you're paying attention to it. It's all over the news. I feel like we've hit peak hype cycle with the Wall Street Journal writing about it basically every day. And I want to know, what's your take on all this? Like, like, is this going to, is this going to really change things in accounting or is it going to be like, it always is where there's some technological change, but then it all stays the same. 
you know, I always say that, and I get, you guys will agree that accounting is very reactive and not proactive, you know, looking at like the accountant shortage, we've known that was coming down the pipe for years and kind of it's like, well, let's wait it out. So I think that's kind of the same thing with like chat GPT, it kind of came out of nowhere. And I feel like accounting is not going to lead the way in, you know, adoption. But we are seeing KPMG and, and PDBC both are using it now at work in official capacity. So I think the the profession is uh, jumping in uncharacteristically. You know, normally it's like, mm, let's see what everybody else does. Mm-hmm. It, and it feels a little different this time. And, and what I mean by that is like, you go back a year ago, even Blake's like, oh, we're going to have meetings in the metaverse. Blake bought a virtuality headset. Oh, and boy. Like, and, and firms were doing stuff with that. Oh, we're going to have – and then before that, it was like, oh, blockchain and, and everybody – like, but this one feels a little bit different. And I think the reason why it's implementable by an individual and one individual can use it and get a productivity boost anywhere from you know 10% to 50% just by – getting this on their day-to-day activities, you know, something to interact with. It's like having a teammate. Like, you right. know, talk about uh, developers will code in parallel. It's kind of like having a teammate. So you can kind of brainstorm. When I can't talk to Blake, I can brainstorm with ChatGPT just enough to get me a direction, you know? Oh, Is yeah. it smarter than Blake? Well, it's, it's not a CPA. It hasn't passed the CPA exam yet, right? Uh, have they done that? Well, so... It, <laughs> I actually haven't seen all the reports are like it passed the bar exam, it passed the medical exams, it passed the AP test, but nobody put it through the because CPA exam. Because it's still finishing. It's 150 hours. Like it hasn't oh, right. finished that. Yeah, first. it can't get the 150. Right. Yeah. Some I, I would like to see what it does with intermediate accounting. You know, that being the point where people get weeded out. That might weed it out. Well, I was playing around with it with audit. I just had this idea the other day to, uh, you know, ask it. I said, you are audit bot. Your mission is to help me perform an audit according to generally accepted auditing standards. I'm a CPA, but I've never done an audit before, which is true. So I will need your full guidance in conducting the audit. Our client is Earmark LLC. What do you need to know to get started? And it said, hello, I'm audit bot, and I'll be happy to help you conduct an audit for Earmark LLC according to generally accepted auditing standards. To get started, we'll need some initial information about the client and scope of the audit. And it goes through this list. It asks me, we got to get an engagement letter. We got to get the business overview, the accounting policies, the financial statements, the prior audit reports and management letters, the internal controls. And then it says, once you've gathered all this information, and it gives me a description for each, let me know and we'll proceed with the next steps of the audit process. And I just kept going with it. You know, I said, okay, let's do the engagement letter. It helped me start to draft an engagement letter. Uh, It helped me come up with pricing on an hourly basis and on a fixed fee. Uh, and then I started to get into the like actual collection of information. Like, okay, I need to do this business overview. I need to get an understanding of the business. What do I need to get? And it gives me a list of 10 things, right? Industry and market, company history, business model, organizational structure. I mean, we're not getting down into the weeds yet, but I feel like if I kept drilling down, it could help me do an audit because generally accepted auditing standards, it's just a set of procedures in the end, right? It's just follow the rule book, follow the guidebook. And I want to get down deeper and see, can it help me actually like do the sampling, right? It, it got into audit planning. It got into audit field work of testing internal controls. Can it actually, can it actually help me do the tests? If I gave it like a list of transactions, could it pull them? And could it ask me which ones to sample, that sort of thing? I mean, help me calculate materiality. It, it, it told wow. me, 
you know, I said, you know, okay, let's calculate the materiality. It said, choose a benchmark, determine a percentage, calculate the materiality. It suggested, you know, 0.5 to 5% of the chosen benchmark. And it gave me, let's say 2% for revenue because Earmark's technology company. Anyway, I could go on and on, but like, I feel like audit actually is something that GPT could do really well. What's your take? That's crazy. That is insane. Yeah. It's it's probably going to do better on testing internal controls than uh, some of the firms. Right? I mean, because if you think about it, right, firms are using students who have, you know, just graduated. They've, they've never had a job before, or maybe they've done an internship, and they're they're like a year or two out, and they're doing all this stuff. They're just following a guidebook. They're just following a procedure that's been done year after year after year. Like, Why can't AI do that? And there's an Adderall shortage. So the work is suffering as a result. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by OnPay. OnPay is built for accountants. And with 30 plus years of payroll experience, they can be the payroll partner you can always rely on. They offer a dashboard to manage all your clients in one place. And when I say manage, I probably should say balance that fine line between control and delegation. OnPay lets you keep 100% control You can delegate payroll to someone at your firm or hand off payroll duties to your client. But no matter who runs payroll, OnPay always takes care of all tax payments and filings, even local filings. And with integrations with QuickBooks Online, Xero, and QuickBooks Desktop, you can use OnPay across your entire client base regardless of the accounting GL they are using. OnPay's partner program offers free payroll for your firm, discounts or a rev share, and a dedicated support team of in-house payroll experts who will do all the heavy lifting. From setting up your dashboard to adding your clients and their employees, they'll even enter any prior wages to make it easy to switch. If you're looking for a great product with great support to match, check out OnPay. To learn more about switching your clients to the award-winning OnPay payroll and HR, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash OnPay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash O-N-P-A-Y. OnPay, switch to better payroll. Hey, but you know what? There's good news, right? Good news is that accountants' salaries are rising. Uh, Wall Street Journal reported this. They are really on the accountant beat like these days, right? They are beating that horse to death. Yeah. So are we, so whatever. (laughs) So they said accountant salaries are rising, but it may not add up to more accountants. And there was an example, I think, of a starting salary of like $99,000. Which is, you know, unheard of. For that would be for a, a a master's, a Mac grad, and that was in Denver, not even in New York or anything like that. Um, I want to know how you feel if you're the guy or girl who was hired, you know, two years ago at fifty two thousand dollars. How do you feel reading that story? That's exactly what I wanted to ask you about, right? Because you have these new people coming in who are getting paid more than people who have been there for years. Yeah, that's the feedback we're getting on like Twitter and stuff. People are saying, oh, I got screwed. You know, I got hired five years ago, got completely screwed. But aren't people jumping to other firms and getting raises? Isn't that, that happening? The, the, the so, turnover? Somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. Um, I, they're getting raises to, you know, beat inflation. I don't know what kind of money. I don't know if they're getting $99,000 money. We got some chatter going on in the live stream. Jeff says, I think the larger firms will take forever to implement things like chat, GPT, and automation, but there will always be smaller firms who will embrace technology and will thrive. I don't know if that lines up, though, with what we've seen. at KPMG, 
just started using um, ChatGPT for sales, for like proposals. There was a story about that that I had in my in my uh, stack of stories. Kim Chat. Kim Chat is that what that's, about. that's what they're it's calling. So it? stupid. K Y N. What's it? What are they doing with it? So the story that was in Australian Financial Review, I think, was about. Um, for now what it does and it's in in partnership with microsoft so they have their own custom and it's you know segregated and whatever so let's say you have a client who needs help with leases i'm going to use leases as an example could be anything you go in chat gpt the program and you say who's the expert at the firm on you know this particular topic and it will tell you it will give you their contact information so that's mainly what it's doing now but they're kind of experimenting like what else can it do so it's like a linkedin search engine (laughs) a directory right directory right Right. So they're not going all in. So not quite as impressive as uh, as we thought. I mean, it's still cool that they're doing it. I think um, um, two months ago, they uh, they banned use of it on firm equipment. So I think it's a, it's an interesting shift that, you know, two months later, like, oh, we have a use case for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that I'm seeing a lot is, is internally, a lot of companies are banning it or saying, don't use it yet until we've mm-hmm. taken a look at it, which makes sense from a security standpoint, right? You don't want your employees putting in trade secrets and confidential information and PII into an AI where, you know, there's no, there's no agreement in place with that, you know, with open AI, what, what are they doing with it? Are they mining that data? But at the same time, it's such a huge competitive advantage if you give it to your employees. I mean, for 20 bucks a month per person, you can really speed up a lot of stuff. And I think that's why what they're starting with is like the KPMG one, you know, it, it is not the open chat GPT. It is like, you know, whatever it is, it's a proprietary version of it that the firm can use. So I assume that they can kind of prevent that stuff from going out. But like you said, what is the data agreement? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know, I guess, I guess once, once Microsoft rolls this out, it's part of the 365 suite. That's when it'll really hit mainstream with a lot of businesses because then it'll be part of all those SLAs, right? It'll be part of all that confidentiality. It'll be safe, secure. At least people will feel it is. And well, yeah, I think just the impact, like they don't even have to roll it out on purpose. Just by getting it part of Office 365 is going to have a productivity impact. Mm-hmm. Um, CFO uh, Dive kind of covered, uh, there was a study that was recently published by the University of Pennsylvania and OpenAI. Obviously, the company OpenAI is behind it, so you have to you know, keep in perspective. But they're starting to think that like one in five employees could like have half their job replaced by ChatGPT. And there's, now they're starting to figure out like this could be like a, a whole productivity boost to the gross domestic product in the country. Yeah. By embracing this. It's kind of, it's, but do you also see though people are against it? Okay. Oh, that letter. That People Elon wanna, Musk signed and all them. Yeah. They, wanna, they, they want to put, put the brakes. Mm-hmm. Too late. So the, the, up, out. the yeah, cynic in me says the cynic in me says that they're working on their own AI projects and yeah. they want OpenAI to slow down so they can catch yes. up. I mean, that seems mm-hmm. like a very Elon Musk kind of thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but there were like uh, thousands of other signers of that letter, as far as I know. There were a bunch of people, tech people, who signed yeah. it. If it was just Elon, I'd be like, oh, yeah, he's trying to monetize this. Yeah. I mean, it is concerning, right? Like, the, think about all the potential bad actors out there who could use this to do really terrible stuff. What do you think, the off top of mind, what do you think for bad actors? Well, just misinformation, right? Like that's been the big problem over the last few years. And now you can write. I mean, it was easy to spot misinformation before. If, if you like just looked closely, right? It was hard to get, you could see it. But now we've got like mid-journey creating that photo of the Pope in the puffer jacket 
that totally tricked millions and millions of people who just thought the Pope was like dripping, right? But it turned out that was not real. And now I actually wish it was real. Um, but, you know, like it tricked, it, 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 I saw it and I said, I saw it and I just sort of like went past it, but I didn't think, oh, this is misinformation, right? It just sort of like entered my consciousness and then I, you know, left it. I didn't reshare it or anything, but I could have and I would have been tricked by it too. So anyway, I guess it's, my point is like, it's so much easier now to create misinformation. And then I think about in accounting, what is misinformation for us? It's fraud. So it's going to be so easy to ask an AI image generator to make fake bank statements and fake invoices and fake mm. transactions. Oh, yeah. You could just say, hey, create create a fake invoice for $1,000 and send it to every one of the Fortune 500 companies. You just say it out loud. You don't have to put any work in. Yeah. And if you plug the chat bot into like all these things via Zapier, you can just ask it to do fraud. Right. Right? <laughs> just, so who's, you think that's possible in the next like year or so that... I mean, if you have access to the plugins right now through GPT, ass assuming you can somehow get around the, the rails they've put in place, right, which it doesn't do unethical stuff, but if you can trick it to do it, you know, say this is some sort of experiment, I'm, right. I'm white hat, you know, hacking or whatever, you, it could, I think it could do that. It could certainly write all of the, the phishing emails. I mean, it, it can train you on that. I mean, people have done that. They asked Bard to write phishing emails, and Google's Bard, and it does, because it doesn't have the same like security protocols, or at least it didn't. I mean, I could see the, the volume of fraud going up, but not the amount of fraud. And I don't even know how to like put them in perspective, because on the other side of this, companies for the KYC, you know, Zero, QuickBooks, uh, Sage, they'll have their little invoice networks now. You know, where you, you create invoice and it shows up in the other person's QuickBooks automatically as a bill and that type of stuff. They're all using artificial intelligence to process all that and mm -hmm. detect these things. So I just think it's just going to create lots of crap that lots of AI, like, like, like all this AI is going to be more efficient to deal with the crap AI that's on this side. Like, you know, and if you just get rid of it all, the it would still be the same ratios. Like, I don't think we're going to have more crap or the higher volume, but I don't think more fraud's going to happen. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. So the story that got my attention, again, Wall Street Journal is all over this, the job is most exposed to ChatGPT. This got my attention because accountants are in the, in the we're the first word in the story. Yeah. Accountants are among the professionals whose careers are most exposed to the capabilities of generative artificial intelligence. The researchers found that at least half of accounting tasks could be completed much faster with technology. The same was true for mathematicians, interpreters, writers, and nearly 20% of the US workforce. This is a study that was done by researchers at the University of Pennsylvania and OpenAI. Is this the one you were talking about, David? I, does this have a little chart in it? Like somebody, this was all over Twitter, all on all the socials. There's like a, I think a chart that's a part of this study. I didn't an image because everybody was sharing and it showed, you know, which professions are going to get eliminated. Mm-hmm. Right, and we are accountants are like towards mm. the top of it, but it's like oh, this is the test taking exam results here. But like my first reaction was, great, we only have one accountant for every two accounting jobs. So like this and is- And they've been, they've been saying this forever. We wrote an article in like 2013, there was a big study that came out out of Oxford and it said that uh, within 10 years or something that 95% of accountants would be out of a job. And mind you, you gotta remember too, when they're saying accountants, they're counting bookkeepers, they're counting, I think they count sometimes like, you know, AP, AR people. Clerks, when yep. Right. So when they say accountants, they're talking about sort of the, the more um, low level kind of repetitive tasks. Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, they've been threatening. They've been threatening this for a long time. Yeah, I, I, I frankly, I'm excited by this. Like, I, I think this is incredible. I guess the 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 worry I have is that we've got two thirds of accounting grads go into audit at big firms, and if the yes. big firms automate audit with AI, what are those grads going to do when they're starting out? It's going to totally shift the beginning career of an accountant, and that's going to be very, very disruptive. And like the this, the education has to completely change. You know, I mean, like this. Think about like the changes to the CPA exam that are happening. This mm-hmm. is like a hundred times more than that that needs to happen in terms of teaching people how to actually write like write a prompt for an AI, how to ask questions, how to how to how to not just follow directions, right? Because that's at least for me in accounting, that's what I learned how to do. I learned how to apply standards, not how to question them. So like uh, the same thing with like Googling, like Googling is a skill, right? Like you, you learn how to ask it something in a way that will get the answer that you want. I think we need to be focusing on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Brian in the chat says, bring on the AI. We can't hire enough new hires. So maybe this will help us help our clients. Yeah. That's my take on this at this point, right? Bring on the AI. Jeff says, one nice thing about using AI would be doing all the super monotonous tasks. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Zoho. I'm sure you've heard of Zoho before. We've probably even mentioned Zoho CRM or Zoho Books on this podcast in the past. But do you really know about Zoho? Did you know that Zoho has been around for 26 years? Did you know that Zoho has 85 million users? Did you know that Zoho has over 50 applications? Did you know that Zoho offers one subscription to 50 applications? Did you know that Zoho apps are integrated with other Zoho apps? Did you know that almost all Zoho apps have Zapier connections? Did you know that some Zoho apps can connect directly to QuickBooks Online, Zero, and Sage Accounting? Did you know that Zoho offers an entire suite of solutions to run your firm, including a CRM, expense tracking, bookkeeping, a full office suite, a support ticket system, and workflow automation? Did you know that Zoho offers a suite of solutions for your client's bookkeeping, including bookkeeping, inventory, invoicing, subscription management, and a checkout app? Did you know that Zoho has an accountants program? Did you know that Zoho advisors get free access to eight Zoho applications and a dedicated account manager? If you want to learn more about becoming a Zoho advisor, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Zoho. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash Z-O-H-O. Zoho, a one-stop solution for all business needs. Yes. You know, I used uh, I used automation recently, so we're redoing the Going Concern website. Um, we have we've been around since 2009. We have about 16,000 posts going back to 2009. So I needed to create a spreadsheet of the individual titles, URLs, you know, the date that it was published. So I was doing this manually in the back end, copy paste, copy paste. I automated this and I saved myself. I calculated how long each page took me manually and it was something like eight minutes or something like that. I automated it. It took all of 10 minutes to set up the, uh, you know, the formula and then it spit it out. And I saved myself about like 150 hours of work. So what exactly were you doing? You were reformatting? So I needed to create a spreadsheet of, because some of our old posts, we went from WordPress to Drupal to WordPress, and some of the formatting on the very old posts is messed up. Right. So I needed to create a spreadsheet of each individual link, so that way, as I go back through the archive, I can 
click on each of those articles and you know update as needed. So I was doing this manually in a spreadsheet title, URL, and the date that it was published, like literally in the back end of WordPress, copying each one, pasting it into a spreadsheet. And this is thousands of posts. 16,000. Wow. Okay. And so you were able to automate that. Mm-hmm. That's pretty and cool. Did- and I just, you know, once I did the formula, which took about 10 minutes, then all yeah. I had to do was wait for it to spit it out. You know, 45 minutes later, I get a message done. So you asked ChatGPT for how to write the formula? I use something called ParseHub. So because I know very little coding. Um, mm-hmm. So I use something called ParseHub. And it's very much like if this, do that, whatever. And you have to just put it in. I mean, it was fascinating. I'm like, because I didn't want to do it. I was dreading this project. You know, every day I'm like, oh, I really need to do that. And yeah. come on. I don't want to do that. Yeah, and I'm I, I'm using it to help summarize articles for myself because David and I, you know, we read hundreds of articles every week, and I used to go in and I would like make notes in Notion. I would I would pull an article wow. into Notion and make notes, and now I've I've connected Notion into ChatGPT via Zapier, and I tell it every time I add an entry to this database. Send the text of the uh, send the URL to OpenAI, and then summarize this for me. And it puts back a paragraph that's like a paragraph summary of the article. So the TLDR. Yeah, exactly. Of every, that's incredible. Yeah, and you know, it's gotten better, and I think it will get better and better and better at summarizing these things. And it just makes it makes my job easier because now when I'm scanning through my database, I've got a little summary of what is this story about. I don't actually have to read the whole thing. I need to do that. You know, I, I'm reading everything manually. Yeah, it, it's and that's like a big part. Of, that can be a huge part of the job, right? Of being a journalist is just reading that's everything. Most of my day, every day, right? Reading and reading mm-hmm. and reading. So, Blake, I gave you the link to the uh, Intuit uh, survey of accountants about mm-hmm. technology over the next twelve months. While you're opening that up, I'll just you know, I'll confess I actually used. So my personal CRM added in. ChatGPT under the covers, obviously, through an API. And I replied to somebody just by clicking a button. I basically, I set, you know, I said, uh, absolutely, or looking forward to chatting. I just clicked the, the one suggested button. I set the tone if I want to be authentic or brisk. No and way. I wrote the email and I hit send. What wow. CRM is that? I'm using Close, C-L-O-Z-E. It's like a personal CRM. I can just reply if I want and it'll write the email. So that's yeah. coming. that's coming to Outlook. When Microsoft integrates soon in the next few months, it's it's already sort of in Gmail with the autocomplete, but not like it's not writing full emails. But you can detect it because it doesn't have any personal. It doesn't write like me. I, I use a lot of ellipsis when I type, type things because it's like emails like thoughts and right? all it doesn't and have to all be a ca- sentence and all caps, right? David? And I don't use exclamation all caps. points here. Yeah. I do all exclamation points. And so, if it's not doing those things, somebody could. De- they, but you could probably detect that it's not me writing. But somebody else doesn't know. They won't right. know. Yeah, if, if you're just, I mean, and also if it's just I was just actually like, impressed hair? with myself. I was like, oh, that's so much nicer. It's softer than I would write. <laughs> like, I it's always got like the the softness out of my emails. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's one of, the, one of the clear uh, applications of this. Yeah. If you scroll down in the uh, this post to the wave of future automation and AI, we can go back and look at the rest of the survey and some of the other stats, but th- this is more on top of what we're talking about at this second. And I need help reconciling this a little bit. If you get down into over the next twelve months, mm-hmm. I think I, I think I'm on that chart right now. Over the next yeah, this twelve is the one, months, right? 
Do you foresee so, the business investing in any of the following technologies? So they kind of have two two buckets of respondents. They had some people that, that a two thousand person bucket and then this a thousand person bucket, and some of it's um, firm owners, employees. It's just general accountants at the firm at, that they they surveyed, and I'm trying to reconcile this. So if, if I'm reading this correctly, forty seven percent of the people they surveyed said hey, in the next twelve months they're going to invest in blockchain technology. But at the same time, a whole 42% saying they're going to invest in locally hosted accounting software. Like, I'm not reconciling this uh, This results, survey, yeah. Right? Like, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, and then because of this, right, it looks like it's very impressive. And then I don't want to jump out, but there's a whole other article on one of the Bitcoin bro websites. And they're talking about how accountants are going to embrace blockchain technology this year because of this stat. They quoted this article. And it's just that that exploitation that happens. But I'm having a problem reconciling with this bell curve of our accountants that are out yeah. there. Well, I always question surveys like this because I feel like the way they go out, and Adrian, you may have some insight into how these things are phrased. They, they say like, they'll send out a survey to CFOs and say, are you investing in any of these things? Check all that apply. And you're just going down the list. You're like, yeah, 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 right? Whether or not you're actually really going to do it, like how how likely is that? I mean, everybody wants to seem cool and like I'm on the cutting edge. That's exactly what I was thinking. The blockchain, that's just some, you know, older person or whatever being like, oh, blockchain. Yeah, we got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Definitely. So like what people say they'll do and what they actually do is very different. I mean, we see that in political polling all the time, right? Oh, God. Right. So, oh, speaking of politics, can we talk about it? The misclassification of expenses at the heart of the Trump indictment. I just want to remind everyone that this entire, this entire, what do you call this, circus act that's happening right now is all around the coding of a transaction in the GL of Trump, the Trump organization. Is that what it, I've been purposely ignoring it? So, I mean, I, I've kind of been ignoring it, but then I felt like I had to when I saw this headline in CPA Practice Advisor. So basically... The summary of what's happening right now is that Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's ex-fixer attorney, made a $130,000 hush mm. money payment to Stormy Daniels, the, the porn star, to, to prevent her from saying anything on the, in advance of the election, right? And he paid it personally, and then the Trump organization reimbursed him and called it legal expenses. Mm. And, and the prosecutors are saying, okay, that was a improper deduction, mm-hmm. right? Improper classification of your expense. And I guess I'm not sure if like hush money is a deductible expense or not. Like, and, and somebody on Twitter was saying, well, actually, you know, if you're Donald Trump, it should be, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a business expense, but I, so is this why, so this is why on the, on his supporter side, they keep saying, oh, it's just a bookkeeping error. It's just a bookkeeping error. It's just a bookkeeping error. Because they're just saying it, if they would have logged it against a different account or give it a different Or they got to book it as porn, porn star payoff. Hush money. Hush money expense, right? That would be a good – you could add that account to your chart of accounts. Yeah, I know. whether. So I'm actually not sure because the indictment's still sealed if it's like a tax thing or not. Because if they deducted it as legal expenses, right, but it was not deductible, mm. then that's – isn't it funny how everybody gets caught – I was just thinking that Al Capone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. That's what ultimately gets you. But it's kind of crazy. Like, you know, 
in the big scheme of things, right, I'm thinking about it as an accountant, regardless of how I feel about Donald Trump as a person, it's $130,000 in an organization that's doing, what, hundreds of millions of dollars? Well, it's not even that, right? Because it was from, wasn't it uh, political action committee money, though, too? Which which he's like the greatest fundraiser of all, right? It's right. close to billions. Oh, yeah. It, was he using it, was he using fundraised money that was raised from donors to do the hush money payment? And yeah. then that could be a problem. But still in the grand scheme, you're right. It's $130,000. Yes. <laughs> like a huge. And Ray huge in the chat says, quote, reasonable, customary, and necessary in the pursuit of profit, unquote. Sounds like it hits all points. <laughs> so I think there's an argument to be made that, that a hush money payment to a porn star uh, could be considered a reasonable and ordinary <laughs> expense. We got to be we got to be fair in our. We should ask ChatGPT. Ask <laughs> if if somebody wants to open it up and ask ChatGPT, you can let us know the response in the chat here, uh, and I'll be I'll share it. Brian says, "Isn't there also an issue with the type of expense and rules about how you can spend on a campaign?" Yeah, I think that's what's gonna this sure. is gonna come down to right. Is like, did this violate campaign spending rules? Um, I mean, either way, it was like. It's funny though, like if he had just been open about it, it wouldn't have been a problem, right? Like that's that's the issue here is it's 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 some, somehow it always in politics ends up being lying about the lie. Mm-hmm. The lie itself is not the crime, but then lying about the lie is the crime. Or like, you know, you like lie to the FBI and even if the thing you did was not illegal, lying to the FBI is illegal, right? That's how they get you. What's well, also this like, cause, cause you know, he's always trying to make everything a business expense. Like, just pay for your personal. Nobody knows it happened, and it just goes away. But you don't do that and then submit the receipt for reimbursement. <laughs> that's, that's, it wouldn't be that tracked if you just paid it. Like, right. Like, do you really have to get reimbursed for this? Like, Use some judgment on this. Uh, certain things you don't get reimbursed for. Uh, well, you know, speaking of silly things that businesses do, I just I saw this and I had to share it. The headline is Kirkland Church Forcing Employees to Tie 10% of Salary. Lawsuit Underway. And uh, this is a really big church called Church Home. Church Home. They like blend the church and the home, so it's one H. Um, kind of like PetSmart, <laughs> I think. Church Home. Uh, this is in King County, so I guess this is in uh, like Seattle area, right? Washington. Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently, an employee of this Kirkland-based Church Home was told her job was in jeopardy if she failed to tithe or donate ten percent of her earnings back to the church. Tithing, the age-old practice of donating money to a church, is typically done voluntarily, and the employee filed a lawsuit. Church Home has over 300,000 people watching sermons weekly online on the church's smartphone app or attending in person. So this is no small uh, enterprise. It has multiple locations in western Washington, in addition to one in Los Angeles, and is connected to multiple high-profile celebrities. Former Seahawk Russell Wilson is listed as a member of the board of directors. And apparently this church had a policy where if you were an employee, you had to tithe 10% of your salary back to the church. Now, this was done outside That's of payroll. That's the same policy at accounting firms. They just do it via hours. <laughs> United, or the United Way. Donate to the United Way and you can wear jeans. Really? Although it's not, yeah, they used to do that. They probably still do that. Wow. Jeans Friday, but you have to donate to United Way or whatever. Well, I guess this is a lesson for us as accountants right, to advise our clients that you cannot mandate that employees donate money back to the organization they work for, that is not okay. I can't believe anyone has to say that. It's just like the directions on shampoo. Like, why does it have to have, why do you have to tell somebody that? 
Yeah. Well, because apparently there are people that don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Were those deductible then as a as a donation? I don't know. To the employees? I I guess uh yeah, if they're making it as a donation, 10% of your salary. What's the threshold? I forget. Is there one? I'm not a tax CPA. Yeah, we need I, it. We need a tax I don't, CPA to answer. I don't do audit and I don't do tax, so I'm kind of a useless CPA in in many ways. I just do accounting. I'm a certified public accountant, not tax professional, not audit professional. You're uh, definitely going to lose your job in a year. Yeah. Well, no, the great thing is actually, yeah, probably like once AI can just simulate my face and voice uh, and have hot takes, this That's is just shows. Oh, actually, David and I can retire because we can just uh, license our voices to the AI. Yeah, and, but they'll just steal it and use it. I don't <laughs> think we missed that boat already. We have to lock down our, our entire catalog now. I mean, I want to say like like this big picture, right? This whole AI thing is super exciting because if it really delivers the productivity boosts that we're talking about, this is going to drive the cost of almost everything to zero. Will it though? I mean, it could. I mean, it's it's going to be- It should. It should, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and what that will do is, yes, it'll create a lot of disruption. People will lose their jobs, but also- a lot of things that are expensive now are going to become incredibly cheap. And, you know, just think about what like offshore automated manufacturing did for electronics between the seventies and the two thousands, right? That 30 year. So there was a pandemic and then you couldn't get anything. And then all the prices went back up. Oh, that was awful. I mean, but you look long-term like the price of a, of a flat screen television, right? Like every single person in this country, no matter what the amount of money they make can afford a flat screen TV and a Netflix subscription now, Mm -hmm. right? That's incredible. I mean, the, the average American lives a higher standard of living than like any King of England in, you know, up to 1900 or something like that. It's just nuts in terms of like, even though we have problems with medical care, right? Problems with like all this other stuff, like it's still better, right? We still are healthier. We live longer. We eat better, you know? I mean, like I can go to the store and buy an orange for a dollar. Actually, I don't know how much, how much is an orange these days? I haven't had one in a while. I'm keto. I couldn't tell you. Okay. I, I can go to the store and buy an orange, you know, like that used to be a delicacy in the court of the, the royalty, right? I mean, so like big picture, this is kind of incredible. I just, I want to say that. So one of the arguments too now is in in, because if you think about I look at like ChatGP and using these tools, is it going to affect the digital divide? Like the people that know how are going to have the time to learn these things and utilize them faster are going to be more productive, and that's just going to separate the gap between the A employees and the A plus employees and the F employees. And is it going to separate that digital divide more? And then it goes back to that bigger question. Schools are having a big fit about this, English teachers, because people are mm. using ChatGPT to write their school papers and do their homework. And it's, you know, but should they get that skill, right? Should it's, The students that are, I'm going to use the English word cheating by using ChatGPT type tools to get their homework done, are they actually getting a real skill or are they not doing the homework, right? But it's funny because one article that's been bouncing around all week is an art, uh, is a headline from... Uh, April 4th, 1986, Washington Post article. Hmm. Math teachers stage a calculated protest. <laughs> so I so there was a conference, 6,000 math teachers, and there was a protest because they did not want the calculator in school. This was in 1986? 1980. Yeah. 
Six. I, I wasn't allowed to use calculators in school in the 80s or the 90s at all. Yeah. We had them in the 90s at my school, but the teacher would always say, you have to learn how to do this because you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. Joke's on you, lady. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure my teacher said exactly the same so, thing. Isn't that, isn't that ironic? Yeah, you'll mm-hmm. have it strapped to your wrist. It won't be in your pocket. Right. You'll, right. you'll never put it. It'll always be in your hand. You'll never put it down. Actually. You'll just talk so to s- it. They had signs like, beware, premature calculator usage may be harmful to your child's education. And so wow. is this just kind of like, is this reaction by the education environment against AI? Like, is it, everybody's just getting really crazy about this. I feel like it's going to be the new um, vaccine, you know, mm. people are going to take a political stance on this stuff. On GPT. Can't stop it though. Can't stop it. The genie's out of the bottle yeah. on this one. Marissa says the kids need to be taught how to use tech properly. If they do not want cheaters, teachers must teach their classes how to use technology such as AI. Calculators are a good example. Yeah. I, I, I'm all in favor of teach them how to use the AI. And if you need to evaluate students, I've actually always felt that like take home homework assignments are a crappy way to evaluate students and grade students. It shouldn't be graded because anyone can cheat on their take home homework. I used to be a tutor. I used to tutor like after I graduated from college in the Great Recession and I like needed to make money and uh, I couldn't get a job doing anything else. I tutored kid children of high net worth individuals in Florida. These are kids that came down from the East Coast from their boarding schools to go ride horses in Wellington. Oh, wow. Okay, we're talking like CEOs of... I can't say the name of the company. I feel like it's still a violation of privacy, but like big time people, you know, like just blue bloods, uh, industrialists, like all that kind of stuff. And um, some of the kids were great and like they actually learned and, then, you know, but other kids, it's like my job was to do their homework for them, essentially. You know, we didn't say that what, what it was, but that's what I did. And they got great grades, right? I just walked them through it, you know? And I think that's what the that's what it, it's all about is that this it, AI and automation is different, but it's kind of been it's always been happening just in a different form. And I think people are really freaked out about it because they don't understand it. Yeah. And obviously people have a self-interest. You know, I, I could be out of a job easily in, you know, a year. But from the way I see it, it's like, OK, how can I work with this and what can I do to with this to improve, you know, while I'm here? But I, I disagree. That you could be out of a job. Like, like, yes, the basic, like, the basic people that are just pumping out boring, like, payments.com, right? Sites like that are just pumping out, <laughs> redoing press releases and putting them out. But, like, look at the article you wrote this week, right, about what you should do to help increase the pipeline. Where's your article? Please tell me you read it and not just the headline because – No, I did read it. And that's okay, – this is what my argument is. I don't think AI can do this. There's a piece of this that you do, Adrian, that I don't think AI can do which is you're kind of taking the truth and a fact and then you're putting satire and a spin on it. And, and that spin can only be done arguably from humans. Like it's, it, it'll do it, but it'll, it'll be very obvious. Like this is trying too hard, right? Like there, there's so, this wit that you can do that I don't think can be replaced. Now, maybe a decade from now, you might be out of a job, but I don't oh, yeah. think in a year you're going to be replaced because there's just this wit of like, oh, on second thought, don't go visit a school and tell them what we do because you're all miserable. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> AI is going to pick up on I, that, right? I laugh. I actually did laugh out loud when I read this, Adrian. Yeah, you Thank said, you. you said, here's how you can, you know, basically, if I may summarize, you can, uh, why, don't, why don't you summarize the argument? 
So it's basically like, what can you do, you know, do your part to help the accountant shortage. And I um, was on a panel with the New Jersey Society of CPAs um, late last year, and they were talking about how, you know, CPAs can go into their community if you want to. And that's like one of the best. And I've been talking about this with people on Twitter, like go to high schools and tell them what you do, because kids don't know about accounting. And, you know, you can make a difference in your own community. But I was thinking about it. This article was totally a shower thought. I was like, oh, you know, it would be funny if I just like, you know, things that you can do that like, you know, you really shouldn't do. And I was like, okay, just about every CPA I've met in the last 15 years is like super miserable. None of them are really excited about what they do for a living. Like when people ask me what I do, I'm like, oh, I'm a writer. And they're like, oh, that's cool. You know, I I love my job. Then I tell them I write about accounting and they're like, oh, but, uh, you know, everyone's always, and there are people of course who are like, you know, happy, but overall people are miserable. Reddit is just, you know, you go on our accounting and people are like, uh, I'm pursuing an accounting degree and I come on the subreddit and I'm really wondering if this is what I want to do. So I thought it would be funny to kind of point that out. Um, yeah. so what I did was say, go into schools, you know, and, and tell people what you do for a living. And I was like, on second thought, don't, because you're all miserable. You know, I kind of was like, um, people need to you need to jack up your credit card debt and dress better and you know engage in conspicuous consumption so people see the ski dues in your driveway and be like wow that accountant is doing well in life you know so that was the whole premise of it and i think that actually is a really good strategy david made a joke in one of our episodes that if we want to get accountants to students to go into accounting like get the young accountant at deloitte like on the lamborghini you know talking about start making youtube videos like that yeah because a lot of accountants just buy the nice perfect white kia and then they replace it when it hits you know forty thousand miles with another exactly the same white model Kia or Honda Civic or you know some reliable Toyota Corolla type car. And you're right, if that's not incur- that's not going to get uh, new eyeballs and new interests. Well, Which is exactly what I put in the article about parking lots that accounting firms are filled with you know nineteen ninety nine uh, Camrys and whatever. There you know the, to be to be clear, there's nothing wrong with that. I think frugality is you know I am uh, I have a spending problem and I buy tons of stuff I don't need. I'm surrounded by it in my room right now. But I think um, you know project you know what what do you do when you want to project success? Like I've just watched um, Halt and Catch Fire. If you guys have seen that. Joe McMillan, you know, he had like a thousand dollar suit and nice car. And then, you know, later they're like, well, we need to borrow some money to start our business. And he goes, I don't have any. He's like, this is all I have is this suit and this car, you know, but he's projecting that success. Projecting success. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think we could do more of that as accountants, right? Like if we're going to work our butts off, like what's the point if you're not going to consume the fruit of your labor, right? Like, like, and, and, and maybe even talk about it at your firm. I feel like in most firms, Partners don't talk about their compensation because they're embarrassed by it. But if well, you... they should be when they're paying people fifty-two thousand dollars a year. <laughs> yeah, and you're making you know half a million. I mean, that's at the big firms, right? That's at like, that's at the big four. But like in smaller firms, it's not such a huge difference. You know, maybe you're paying somebody like seventy k and you're making three hundred, right? Okay, right. that's fair. And you worked hard, fifteen years to get there to do that. And so if, if you talk about it and you say, look, if you stick with this firm, here's what you're going to make. Maybe they'll stay around. But nobody ever uh, talked about that when I was in public accounting. It was sort of like a secret, right? And that was another argument I made in that article is that, you know, 15 years ago, there weren't all these. There wasn't us. There wasn't big four transparency. There wasn't, you know, Reddit got started around the same time we did. People weren't talking about their salaries. You had to go digging around on the Internet to like these obscure forums to find out what people make, because that was always the mentality. Right. In in friendly company, you don't talk about sex, politics or money. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's uh, that transparency, I think, is great because now people can discuss that. You know, it's bad for the the profession because young people are like, wow, those people don't make any money. But it's good that people can talk about that and, and know how much they're making. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Keeper. By combining client communications, file review, reporting, and your task management, Keeper has everything you need to run your bookkeeping or cast practice. Keeper is an all-in-one app that allows you, your team, and your clients to easily collaborate to make your monthly close as efficient as possible. Starting with a beautiful custom-branded client portal optimized for bookkeeping work, your client can answer questions you have about uncategorized transactions, allowing you to categorize and automatically post them to QuickBooks Online correctly, all without ever leaving Keeper. Via the month-end file review feature to surface transactions that may not be posted correctly, and by providing the perfect customized report that each client may need, Keeper can highlight the value that your firm provides clients. Keeper's built-in task management ensures nothing falls through the cracks, and it includes time tracking so you can see where you and your team spends their time. With Keeper's 1099 manager, you can easily review each client's list of vendors, email address, physical address, tax ID, and the amount paid, and from the same screen, even request W9s for any vendors that you're missing information for. No more jumping between screens or browser tabs. Keeper has a very affordable and clear pricing model that starts at only $8 a month. To learn more about why thousands of bookkeepers and accountants trust Keeper to manage their month-end close and to get 20% off your first three months by using code CAP20, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash keeper. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash K-E-E-P-E-R. So there was another great story ongoing concern. And since we got you here, Adrian, we got to talk about it. This is the, oh boy. <laughs> this, this headline is the accountant shortage is so bad. Anime, is it waifu girlfriends? Mm-hmm. The accountant shortage is so bad. Anime waifu girlfriends are taking up tax prep now. Uh, Give it's us. Just aged me out. I couldn't even read the article. I was like, "What?" I, I just. I'm like, I'm too old to read this. It's like my it's colleague. Like, the going concern it. has a younger audience than than I'm not the demographic anymore. Well, so uh, I'll just get this started, and then Adrian, please add the details. So basically, this anime dating sim popped up on the Steam gaming platform, and apparently, it's like a dating sim where like the the person you're dating is helping you complete your tax return. Mm-hmm. And you're like giving it your social security number and you're you're typing in all your information and it's it's I mean if you don't know what a dating sim game is this is kind of like like I, I don't know if you're going to understand but So is this like a legit like product offering from someone and this is like the UI to do the tax return or is this like a uh, an imaginary thing Oh well it seems very legit but it is um it was created by an art collective and they have beef with Intuit if you look at the the description of it, like they go in hard on Intuit and QuickBooks and the lobbying to, you know, keep uh, the tax code very complicated so that then nothing against Intuit. But, you know, there. so that's what this is a statement. This is a political statement. Oh, basically. But it does. Supposedly, it does actually do your taxes federal, not state. <laughs> so, so this is that truth is stranger than fiction type thing. So I know for a fact in the mid to late 90s, TurboTax hired hired people magazine editors so that way it's easier to understand TurboTax. get mm. rid of all the so so it's written what is people magazine at a fourth grader level i don't know third so, grade level it's written so, at. And, sorry i don't mean to cut you off david no no it's all right i, I was just gonna ask adrian so like this this game i thought this was a scam like it was a scam to get people to put in their personal information 
and like they were going to harvest, you know, their data, and 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 that's why it got taken down from Steam. But you're saying it was more of a political, like it was a, it was a parody. A hundred percent. If you go that before it got taken down from Steam, they changed the description on Steam, and it literally is like accusing Intuit of you know paying Steam off to get it removed. Supposedly, it's not online; it's all local to your machine. Oh. I mean, I wouldn't use it. But that's what I thought too. That they're like, oh wow, this is a total scam. But no, it's a, it's a political statement. So I don't know if we mentioned the name of the game. It's called Tax Heaven Three Thousand. <laughs> it's a one of a kind dating sim experience that really does your federal taxes. It covers the ten forty, checks eligibility for earned income tax credit, American Opportunity Credit, and more. Suitable for singles without dependents. That's appropriate given it's a dating sim. That's right? hilarious, right? Features Where's multiple the word free. Is it, is it free file? Is it free? I'm pretty sure it's free. That's great. And so, like, it's, you know, the dating sim idea is basically, like, you, you, you are pre- presented with, like, dialogue prompts, and if you select the correct one, you get closer to dating. The- I've never played them, but I'm vaguely familiar with yeah. them. Oh, so, so instead of uh, going on a date and answering questions to date, this is the tax organizer. Mm-hmm. And you can also date her. Oh. Your goal is oh, so, to, so like if you're going is, to firm you shouldn't the- date. You shouldn't date your tax. I was going to say, it's probably a good policy. I actually wonder, like, how many tax preparers end up dating their clients? That would be an interesting survey. Can someone comment who's watching this if they've done that? I would really love to know. Has anyone who's listening right now in the live stream ever ended up dating a client? Or maybe maybe you married a client. I mean, stranger things have happened. I'm sure it's true because I know there's a lot of divorce attorneys who wind up dating clients. So it's got to it's gotta be true in accounting. That's true. Uh, David Hall says, AI needs to take my job. I have no time to study for the CPA. A lot of the accounting industry is still using paper forms and has not adopted automation. Maybe AI will help update the profession. Yeah, that's how I feel. It's going mm-hmm. to make those 10X employees 100X employees. And that's going to be really interesting. I think, I think actually AI will be the end of the timesheet. Because how do you bill hourly for GPT? Oh, they'll figure out a way. <laughs> I asked GPT like how I would bill hourly for it, and it told me that it would be unethical uh, for me to bill hourly for GPT because it's not a human being. <laughs> you know, they could shift it to computing power, electricity. They'll, they'll figure out a way to do it. But Jeff says regarding this game, the IRS needs to back this as their free file option. I mean, gamifying tax prep is not a bad idea. I think it's a it's great not. idea. But Intuit is probably paying them off not to not to do that. Brian says, we have been looking for ways to make the tax organizer more engaging. Ian says, how long before someone outsources their job entirely and just collects the paycheck? I have a story about that. So I don't know if you guys pay attention to the um, overemployment thing do you know what that is oh yeah yeah so you have the remote work people who are taking on several jobs yeah. if you go on the subreddit there's people who have like three four jobs there are several... a lot during the pandemic yeah and there are a lot of people on there who now this hasn't been verified but they're talking about you know they have their their one job they have a second job that they have almost completely automated they are collecting an entire full-time check from the second job and it's just completely automated. I don't know about any accountants that are doing this. I think accounting is not very um, overemployment friendly, no. but yeah, well, they're doing it. I mean, we do know, I mean, I know firm owners who complain about their employees having side gigs, like taking on clients on the side and they don't know about it. I mean, that's so easy to do these days, right? All you need is a laptop to have a firm. Mm-hmm. And um, well, here's a story that's related in CPA Practice Advisor. 
half of U.S. workers earn money from a side gig. Those earning 100000 annually are more likely to have a growing supplemental income, the survey found. Hmm. Yeah. It says about half of employed consumers hold a side job or have some other form of supplemental income, such as selling artisan products. Data released Monday by Lending Club Corp. in partnership with industry publication Payments.com show. Your favorite, David, Payments.com. <laughs> that just prints, uh, what do they do? They, they print press releases, right? Consumers may be amassing more than $50 billion a month in cash through extra earnings. So I just put a link that kind of ties into this. This uh, Apparently, CEOs are starting to quietly backtrack on remote work. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw that one too. So, so, so even Mark Benioff, CEO of Salesforce, who was all all in on, you know, he, he criticized uh, return office mandates. Even now Salesforce is saying, yeah, it's probably better, you know, newer people, if they come into the office, you know, it's probably better for them. Yeah, and yeah, you can't. It's hard. It's hard to work two jobs if you're in the office for one of them. I think it's because the the you know the economy is looking worse, and I think that the Great Recession is kind of easing. And we actually heard on the on the subject of accountant salaries, we're owned by a, a remote recruiting firm, um, Accounting Fly. So we hear from a recruiter that they are not being the employers are not being as aggressive in their offers. So the the job market is kind of turning a little bit. Um, and I think that's what's kind of driving this is, you know, they were saying they were all about remote work when people were just, you know, they were bleeding employees and people were leaving in droves and whatever. Now they're like, oh, the economy is getting worse. People are sticking around so we can force them to the office and not guarantee that they'll quit. Yeah, the pendulum's shifting back to the employer again. And now the mm-hmm. employer is also probably like, hey, I don't have to pay you as much salary or even hire you. I can just get chat GPT now. <sighs> yeah. I don't need you at all. So there is a bright spot in this data that I saw. I don't have the chart in front of me, but if you look at the share of companies that are fully remote, that actually grew a little little bit. It's like around 10, 11%, and that did not shrink. What shrank was the companies that are allowing hybrid and the companies that allow some employees to be fully remote have shrunk. So basically mm-hmm. companies, which makes sense, right? During the pandemic, they allowed employees to go fully remote, some of them anyway, and now they're calling them back to the office. Or they allowed employees to go hybrid, and now they're saying, nope, you need to be in the office 100% of the time. Which like doesn't surprise me at all, because it's the same managers who wanted you in the office three years ago, right? And There is something to be said, though, about, because you mentioned young people, and there is something to be said about, I see this a lot, where people who came in um, to the profession during you know 2020, they missed out on some of that in-person stuff and it's completely different being able to bother your superior at their cube versus waiting for a response in teams so i think that is a concern i am very pro remote i've worked remote for many years i thought it was so cool when the pandemic happened and everybody got to you know enjoy what i enjoy working my pajamas but you know what about those young people that are now three years into their career that kind of missed out on that yeah I, i i see that being an issue like starting out your career fully remote would be very challenging it's it's much better once you know you're along in your career a few years. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and then once you start a family, it's just so much better to be like for me anyway. As like a parent, I'm so much happier not commuting, right? Because I already got so much to deal with at home, right? I got I got a lot of more responsibilities mm-hmm. than I ever had. You can't beat that. 
So, and the firms are supposedly paying. Um, I talked to one managing partner recently, and they pay. They have a stipend that's not just for daycare, but they'll also pay for uh, doggy daycare for people. They'll pay for elder care. I'm seeing more of that, you know, because now all our parent, you know, my my parents have passed away, but all our parents are getting older. That's a concern, you know. So they're the firms are supporting that, and I think remote work kind of encouraged that, where people did reprioritize their lives and be like, I want to spend time more time with my family. You're going to have to pay me if you know, you're going to expect me to be away from them. Yep. Well, we've got a few more minutes left. David, you got anything? I've been, I've been kind of taking up a lot of the time with the stories here. I mean, I think a follow up with the, the Silicon Valley bank thing, there was an article on Saster, which is Saster is really like a you know, it's the going concern of SaaS-based startups, right? Mm. And they have training and well, they, they're, it's slightly different, but they're, they're a media property focused on that. They do conferences and everything else. But they picked up a slide from Cruise Consulting, who's an accounting firm. Mm-hmm. And what Cruise Consulting did, Cruise Consulting has lots and lots of startups, very heavily involved in the Silicon Baking. And I'll give you the link, Blake, so you can pull up the graph. Essentially, they went and looked at where their clients had their money before and where their clients had their money after. Let me put this in the oh, chat. Oh, after the collapse. After the collapse. And now they can just, you know, in QuickBooks see, you know, what, account, what bank accounts people now have. And it's amazing. 50% moved to J.P. Morgan Chase if you click on that graph there. Hmm. Okay, so 50% of Silicon Valley Bank deposits went to Chase. And what's interesting, so Mercury and Brex make sense why they're a little bit high because, A, they've been marketing probably at these Silicon Valley Bank startups heavily for the last three or four years. So they're kind of on top of mind. And plus, Mercury and Brex are 100% online, so it's probably quick to set up an account and get your ACH numbers to move that money out. But what's interesting about this is like how low Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, like like JP Morgan Chase just dominated this. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I wonder why. Are we on the march to just have two or three banks in this country? If, if They're less likely to... to fail, probably. Well, so I feel like Chase, B of A, Wells Fargo, though, they're all kind of, they're all too big to fail. I wonder why so much money went to Chase So like from SVB. And I wonder if it has to do with the online banking. I've always found Chase of the big banks to have the best online banking. That was my experience too. They were really when I between Chase and Bank of America, I would pick Chase any day. Wow, and I think Chase also courts some of these tech companies as well because they have their own payments rails and things like that. I've never seen there are lots of apps. I mean, we talk about Melio. Melio had Evolve, Silicon Valley Bank, J.P. Morgan Chase is where they use the rails to move money. But I never see any tech company or tech app say, "Oh, we're using Wells Fargo," or <laughs> they never have those well, other logos. So I wonder if. Technically, these banks are falling behind. Wells Fargo is the worst for online banking. I was going to say they're afraid oh that Wells God. Fargo is going to make up a bunch of accounts that they didn't open <laughs> like they did a couple years ago. Well, th- there's that. And then just trying to get access as an accountant or trying to set up user access at Wells Fargo is like a, it's it's a huge pain in the ass compared to Chase. Chase was always the easiest. Like I need to set up another accountant access. Easy. No problem. Yeah. Ian says, I think it's the online banking. So let's just go through this chart for our listeners who can't see it. So half the money from SVB went to Chase. This is according to Cruise Consulting's data from their startup client list. And and Cruise is big in the startup world. So you know, chances are this is representative. So uh, half went to Chase. 20% went to Mercury. 9% went to Brex. 6% went to First Republic, which is pretty funny because 
then it had to go somewhere else, right? Probably after that, right? Didn't did First Republic get sold? I can't remember. No, they kind of got some back bailed out. That's okay. Two uh, percent went to Morgan Stanley, three percent B of A, two percent Wells Fargo, and then other eight percent. So yeah, huge win for Chase. Well, maybe this will inspire the other bigger banks to fix their online banking and make it easy to use. That and I guess other probably would be like Relay, probably fall under other yep. online. People could move those funds over. And did you see the announcement from Relay? It was actually last week. Yeah, like week. it's awesome. Uh, Relay is now the official banking partner of Profit First. And oh. they're doing a whole webinar. They've got um, a whole bunch of features they're rolling out. We bank with Relay. And I, in my account, saw now that we can set up automated transfers. So the first thing I did was I set up an automatic rule where whenever money comes into our income account, it gets swept into our operating account every night automatically, 100%. You just oh, wow. my effing job, dude. Sorry, I do dude. that like every two or three days, dude. <laughs> and, Jesus. And this is a great thing you could be doing with your clients, right? Because if, if you... Uh, you know, for security purposes, you really don't want to be handing out your operating account number and routing number, right? Where you keep all your most of your money. So you give, you set up an account just for inbound ACH payments, and that's what you give out to your suppliers or to your customers, and they pay you into that, and then you sweep all the money into your operating account. And it used to be a manual thing for us to do this, so we only did it like once a week, but now we can automate it. That's awesome. Yeah. And in my only comment, I had I just put no brainer because it's like if. Let's say you discover profit first and you want to do that or roll that out with a client. If they're using a different bank, that's a hassle. Like you got to go and set up these bank accounts. Why? You're going you have to physically go to the branch. And with really it's just like click, 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 boom, boom, boom. You could you in a in a half hour you could set your whole client up with all the account structure they need with real bank accounts, with real bank routing numbers, and just move on with life. It's it's such a no brainer that this is the proper partner for somebody like Profit First. Yeah. It's right. a lot well, of sense. That's all the time we have for this week. Adrian, if our listeners would love to follow you online, where is the best place for them to do that? Uh, my Twitter is Inky Wretch. Love that. Um, the, the Going Concern Twitter is going underscore concern. So feel free to um, swing by. Please don't leave me mean comments. I already got a mean comment today calling me an idiot. Um, I have feelings. So be nice in the comments. Be nice. Yes. I don't care. It, well, I'm used to it. I mean, yeah, because the comments on Going Concern, well, I think you guys cleaned them up a while back. But oh, they, they used it used to be a bloodbath. Yeah, yeah, it was no bueno. And go to goingconcern.com. Read Going Concern, subscribe to Going Concern. Uh, David, where can people find you? I'm on all the socials and on LinkedIn. If you let me know you're not a bot, I'd also appreciate if you let me know if you have a job because Blake's getting rid of my work. You can <laughs> write for us. There you go, David. You got a job offer at Going Concern. That's great. I like transferring that money between the two accounts every couple of days, sweeping that over. I'm at Blake T. Oliver on Twitter. Find me on LinkedIn. And uh, if you want to see me hiking in the Scottsdale Sonoran Preserve, follow me on Instagram. Ooh. Jessica said, as a bookkeeper with clients on Chase, Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank, uh, Wafet, uh, is that Washington... I don't know what that bank is. And many small CUs. Chase is by far the superior bank to work with. We have our first Relay client starting next month. So excited for that. Awesome, Jessica. And Brian says, thanks. This has been great. Adrian was a great guest. I agree. Adrian, Thank you. this was so much fun. We've yeah. got to have you back again because like, 
you just you know everything that's going on. This makes this makes our jobs easier. Like to have you on as a as a guest co-host. Like this was a lot of fun. Thank you. I have a better Thank idea. You. Let's work with Adrian on a Going Concern podcast. That's Ooh. helpful. Have you ever thought podcast about podcasts of her own? I had a podcast many years ago for um, my Go Fraud Me project. I did a project where I would um, I was tracking GoFundMe frauds and scams. Um, I did a podcast very briefly. I used to read um, mean emails that I got was like the main content of it. Uh, that was many years ago, though. So I'd, I'd be down. I don't know if I have time. I might need to get AI to do some more writing on the site. We got to get it to write the script, you know, or write mm-hmm. the articles. That's the question too, Adrian. Like, do you feel like you have to disclose when AI assisted you in writing something? I 100% do. And I, um, the the article that I posted the other day where I asked ChatGPT about um, uh, to write it from the perspective of an accountant losing their job to automation, I clearly disclaimed. I feel like you do um, ethically. Hmm. I've never used AI. You know, I've never used AI to help me write. I love to write. I'm one of the few people I think on the planet who actually enjoys writing. Um, but I do think you should disclose. Because, you know, the, the pr- I don't know that you have to do it when you're writing emails or whatever, but I think for, you know, a place where people are going, something that has my byline, you know, you expect that to be written by the writer. It makes sense. And your yeah, tweets, that's my thought. people's tweets, don't be, just, just write the tweet, people. It's only 140 characters. I mean, maybe I'm old time, but I, I love being in the trenches and doing all that stuff. I can't imagine, you know, I don't judge anybody who would, but I can't imagine automating all of that and just having it speak for me. I like to be the one who kind of controls that well and that's going to be the big question in the coming months and years uh adrian great having you on thanks everyone for joining us live follow us on youtube we are the cloud accounting podcast and subscribe so that you get notified when we go live see you all here again next week bye time for the classifieds ClientHub automatically sends your clients a task for each expense or deposit marked as uncategorized in QuickBooks. Your team will save hours of time, and the best part, that it's free. Introducing the free ClientHub Recategorized Plan. ClientHub is bringing the freemium business model to accounting apps. They are so confident that you, your team, and your clients will love the free Recategorized Plan that will lead you to implement all the features of the award-winning ClientHub into your firm's workflows and communications. Using ClientHub in your workflow is a guaranteed ROI, especially since it is free. To schedule your demo, go to clienthub.app. That's clienthub.app. Is it possible to scale your firm while significantly reducing your workload so you can spend more time with your family? That's what Marie Phillips did when she tripled the revenues of her multi-seven-figure firm thanks to Future Firm Accelerate. Designed for busy firm owners, Future Firm Accelerate gives you the system, training, coaching, and the community you need to systemize your firm so that you can scale it while working less. The program is built around founder and CPA Ryan Lozanis' six-part Future Firm framework, which he used to scale and sell his own firm, Zen Accounting, to a major international organization in just five short years. To learn more and join over 700 other modern firm owners scaling their businesses, go to www dot futurefirmaccelerate.com that's www.futurefirmaccelerate.com We don't like uncategorized transactions, but we do like CATs, and we love UNCAT. Thousands of accountants and bookkeepers have switched from sending spreadsheets of uncategorized transactions to their clients every month to using UNCAT. It's easy. UNCAT syncs with QuickBooks and gets clients' responses back so fast, you can close the books on time, every time. And you're going to love the price. UNCAT is just $5 per month per client. 
And bonus, start a 14-day free trial at Uncat.com and they'll send you a $5 Starbucks gift card. Get yours at Uncat.com. Are you tired of spending hours manually adjusting your balance sheet and reconciling your accounts every month? Say hello to NetTracker. Automate tedious tasks such as adjustments for depreciation, prepaid expenses, accruals, and deferred revenue. With just a few clicks, selected balance sheet accounts are updated and reconciled. No more stress and hassle every month. NetTracker makes monthly financial reporting a breeze. Try it now with QuickBooks Online, Zero or Sage Business Cloud, and see how much time and energy you can save. www.nettracker.com. That's www.nett-tracker.com. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.